Welcome to the Business Marketing Agency Podcast with Barbara Griffin, regular tips and tricks for business owners who want to market their business online. Hi, and welcome to the Business Marketing Podcast. And today I'm talking with Dahlia Dodelin, a top-selling author on Amazon. She started writing only in 2012 and since then has written over 150 titles. She is making 4200 a month consistently doing what she loves. It's a great honour to have you here on the show, Dahlia. Thanks so much for, for coming along. Thanks for having me. It's, it's going to be a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> great. Now, um, what's your background as a writer? How did you get started? Well, I suppose I started actually writing, but not for money. In around 2007, when I graduated from high school, um, I started interactive fiction online called Alternate Reality Games. And that's what sort of got me into actually creating stories for other people. Wow, so you're young, like it's only eight years ago, so in your early 20s. <laughs> 25. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so you started doing this interactive fiction. Yeah, I started writing actual books and publishing them through Amazon and a few other websites um, in 2012, like I said. And I started by finding somebody named Delilah Fox on a website called Something Awful, and she was telling about how she basically was able to quit her job. Her husband quit his job, and um, they just started writing erotica and romance, and it just snowballed from there. And so she got me into writing. Did you do a course with her or buy a product or read a book or talk to her or have some contact with her? Um, Aside from posting on the forum, not at all. I didn't pay for anything. She just gave her information away for free. Wow, that's awesome. So how long did it take you to publish your first book and what was the easiest bit about it and what was the hardest bit? My first book was the hardest one to do I'd say because I had no idea what I was doing. It took me about a week to write it and then to publish it it was really quick. Uh, The hardest part is writing the sex because there's only so many ways you can talk about that but um, the most fun part and the easiest part is thinking up the ideas because there's so many different stories you can revolve around people's love lives. Yeah. And when you wrote your first book, the one that took you a week, how many words was that when you published it? I would say my first one was maybe 4,000 words, not too long. How come you knew that that was like the optimum length? What made you choose that length? Um, Like I said, the woman from Something Awful, she was writing really short stories, 3,000 words to maybe 8,000 words until she started getting into novellas. So I just decided to go with her word length and it's worked since. And that's pretty much the industry standard for erotic shorts. Yeah, I think that that's right because I've noticed that. Do you think that's always been the industry standard or is it kind of just an Amazon thing? Has Amazon sort of created its own market, do you think? Well, for free stories, it was always longer, and for the traditionally published stories, it was always much longer. But ever since self-publishing started, short stories have been able to succeed better. So probably it's just started with Amazon. Yeah. You know, you write a lot. So do you get stuck coming up with new ideas? Do you ever get burnout? Oh, my God. Burnout is one of the worst things for me. And I've after three years of doing this, I have just come to expect myself to have six months whether in one chunk or in a couple of different chunks, where I just, I write very little. I do very little. And um, I'm really lucky that this industry and this job will let me do that because I will, 
I will have six months where I will write constantly, but then six months where I will just not do anything. When you say constantly, are you, you know, like doing it three hours at a time or even longer stretches than that? Uh, well, my writing stretches are probably about 20 minutes each, and then I'll take a small break and then write again for another 20 minutes. But it would probably be around six hours a day. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm feeling you. I've been up all night writing, and I, I'm really into it. But I, I don't know what it would be like to have a life where you did that all the time. And I, I can relate to what you said about chunks. You know, you might go through a six-month chunk when you really do it, and then a six-month chunk where you sort of don't write at all. And um, it's also really interesting to hear you say that because of the industry, you can take six months off and still make money every month because of this beautiful online publishing, self-publishing model. With the genres, like, I don't know if we really want to need to go down the nuts and bolts of erotica genres, but do you write other genres apart from erotica, like non-sexy books? I do. I actually started a pen name recently for um, sort of new age and occultic uh, nonfiction, and I've also written some young adult stuff as well. Oh, that's cool. And yeah. will you will you split those up from your Dahlia site, or will you sort of incorporate them? Um, I haven't posted my young adult thing anywhere just because it's a little bit old. But my um, my occult and new age stuff has its own website. Uh, and a different pen name as well. I see. So um, I, I guess you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but um, is Dahlia Dodolin, is that your pen name or your real name? It's definitely a pen name. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> so, 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 so technically you could do five different interviews as yourself, but as each author personality. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I could um, do that. <laughs> predicting the future that you will be doing that do you think that you'll you'll be the same self every time or will you actually put on different author personas you know I've always had this idea that I could hire people to do my interviews for me one day but I would probably just end up being myself that's what I'm most comfortable with are you out as an erotic fiction writer with your family or did you hide it or did you hide it for a while or what's that like for you in your family and friends circle my friends know and my little sister knows, but nobody else knows. I won't tell them. Yeah. So what do they think you do, the ones that you don't tell? Um, I mostly just tell them that I'm about my nonfiction and my young adult stuff. I don't tell them about the erotica or the romance. It's kind of like the Breaking Bad sort of concept, isn't it? He's got the, they've got the, the, la <laughs> yeah. the laundries, the cover business. I love it. Yeah. Now, Dahlia's written this amazing book that... The reason that she's actually here today is because I bought this book, read it, thought it was so brilliant that I contacted her straight away. The book is called How to Really Self-Publish Erotica, The Truth About Kinks, Covers, Advertising and More, Erotic Author Secrets Book One. And that is on Amazon, written by Dahlia Dordelin. That book, has that done really well for you? Oh yeah, it's one of my most consistent, really good sellers because I posted it to Reddit and I answered a bunch of questions for them and that just exploded the book. It's a secret tip was just hiding in there that if you have a how-to book, you go on Reddit, answer some questions and that will drive traffic to your book. So um, does it make you want to do more how-tos, seeing as that one really took off? Uh, we actually just published a brand new one um, and we do have ideas for a few more coming out soon. 
and all to do with writing and erotica genre? Yep, definitely. The book is so brilliant because it doesn't just explain all the genres, but it also goes into the sort of technical side of things that I think for a lot of people, the writing part is the bit that they think is quite easy, but then the publishing and self-publishing thing, they really get stuck at. And you've actually got a partner, Michael, who's also a writer, and I'm assuming it's not his real name either. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. So you talk in the book, you say that he helps you with the covers and the graphic design part of it. If you didn't have Michael, do you reckon that, I mean, are you quite tech savvy and would you have figured that out yourself, do you think? Well, I also, I help, I do the um, photo editing for the covers. So I probably could have figured it out eventually, but it never would have looked anywhere near as good as what he did. And I would have never been able to even touch create space for my physical books. Mm, wow. So did you meet um, in real life or did you meet through writing or how did you guys meet? Oh, he's actually my boyfriend. I know. We met in high school. Oh, you met in high school. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of have been aligned on the same vibe for quite a while. That's really awesome. I would recommend everybody to buy the book because there's so many good tips about branding your your range and noticed on your website you divide your range up into different genres and that each genre has maybe its own font or maybe its own logo or idea like it's really cool how you've done that also a great tip in the book is to bundle things together which I actually notice people doing in the genre and so how how much of your sales do you think come from bundles rather than individual stories this year I've put a lot of effort into bundling more um, so I would say maybe not half but a quarter to a third maybe of my sales come from bundles they don't always sell as well as individual stories because um, bundle bu- or bundle buyers tend to be more looking more for deals than anything mm-hmm. else but I do make a fairly good chunk for my bundles so in reverse that's the tip that you have your product range and then you make bundles and you could actually make 25 to 50% more sales. I mean, that's amazing. Did you come up with that and other people copied you or was that already existing in the in the industry? Yeah, it was already existing. And over the years, we have a group of authors that we work with and we talk about tips with. And we've all been trying to boil that down to a science and getting the exact right bundles. So over the years, it's gotten even better. And who apart from yourself do you think is doing really good bundles? Oh, I don't know if I could say a a name offhand. I know that most erotic authors are doing bundles at this point. A lot of us put them on different pen names. Like I put my bundles on Midnight Climax Erotica or Midnight Climax Bundles instead of on Dahlia Dodolin. Yes. Just to keep my Dahlia pen name a little bit cleaner. Yep. Because uh, people who buy bundles are not buying single books. Right. So they don't sort of come back and find you and buy more from you, or they just buy more bundles? Right. I wanted to talk about feedback, because I know that Amazon, you know, it's sort of like the social media of shopping, really, because people can review books. And I mean, I'm a buyer, and I must admit that I do read reviews, maybe only read a couple of them, a good one and a bad one, and then I'll buy it anyway if I think I'll like it, even if a reviewer didn't. But how important do you think it is for buyers to have to see good reviews before they buy, or does it make no difference? Honestly, there are good reviewers out there. There are really important reviews out there. So I 
do say that buyers should look at reviews, but also keep in mind that a lot of reviewers can be other authors or they can just be bitter people. We get a lot of really ridiculous reviews that like talking about the length of the book, even though the length is clearly in the blurb. So it's a little bit ridiculous sometimes. Yeah, because it says this book is blah, blah pages before you even buy it. So, you know, that's not really a valid criticism. Yeah. Because you've probably got so many titles and so much data, some of your books would have lots of reviews and some have none, especially if they're new. So does that make any difference to the amount of sales for you? Well, not really. You know, good reviews can help sales, but no reviews or even mediocre reviews, can they won't really affect anything. And even if you get a couple of one-star reviews, that book will probably still sell pretty well. Yeah, because it's all about the genre that people want, isn't it? Yep, exactly. So let's say you've got 150 books, and I know that you've got more in terms of bundles. Is there one or a couple of them that have stood out in terms of they've sold more than the others for for some inexplicable or explainable reason? You know, I'm finding, and this might be something that you might not want to share, I don't know, I'm finding that BDSM books sell really well, Um, and interracial books sell very well as well. Right. The other subject I was very interested in, I didn't even know it had a name because I'm so derm just starting out, Dubcon. I had to actually look up what that meant, and it means dubious consent, which is, you know, maybe you can explain it better than me. Uh, Dubious consent is when a woman starts off either not sure or not wanting it at all, but as she's seduced or as she's, Um, I guess seduce is the best word, she starts to enjoy it more and more. And then in the end, she realizes she actually wanted or needed that interaction. Mm -hmm. I have a strange question for you, given that we've just been talking about women and dubious consent. But do men actually read these books or is it mostly a female readership, do you think? Based on old Harlequin studies, it is mostly women, but of course, there are women who or men who read this too. It's just a slightly smaller demographic. So, are most of your books written from the female point of view? Most of them, yeah. And do you think that women would be more likely to want to read from her point of view than his? Yes, and there's actually a, a little bit of controversy about this because some people think that women want to put themselves into the characters' shoes. Yep. But also some people think that they just want to read about a fully fleshed character that has a set look to them that they can just identify with as sort of a friend. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to play with which one works best. Yeah, look, I have read that the underlying subconscious desire in romance is that the woman is craving some kind of happy ever after ending with someone who falls in love with her. Do you think that's true or just throw that out the door with erotica? That's mostly a romance thing. Like, romance readers will tear you up if you do not have a happily ever after. But for erotica, it's not a big deal at all. You don't need that at all. Do you ever have many storylines with the woman being the alpha rather than the man? And do you find those are less popular because women are kind of more comfortable in fiction reading about the woman being the slightly submissive character? Or do you think it's 50-50 or what are your thoughts on that? I'd say it's probably a little less popular. I don't write too many of those because I I know what's selling right now. But there are people who want to read about strong female characters, and it's good to cater to them t- as well. Yeah. This is so fascinating. Like, you know so much about this genre, and 
just the way that you've done it by having so many titles and short titles is a really interesting business model. Do you ever write short titles that are almost like chapters of a longer book, like a kind of a serial rather than a bundle? Um, I have played with serials in the past. I've kind of stopped doing them as much now because I know very rarely I'll follow through with it. It's just not something I enjoy doing. But I know that if you can do novella length or novel length serials, they will sell way better than any shorts you will ever write. And what's the length for a novella? What do you call that? I'd say a novella is probably around 30,000 words to 50,000 words. Um, You can go a little bit shorter, a little bit longer, obviously. And then novel length is anything above 50,000 and on. So would you ever go into novellas or you think, why would I? Because it's 10 times the work and you won't make 10 times as much money. I did write one for another pen name, uh, Harley Harper, recently, Um, but it was excruciating to write it. I am just not a long story writer. I like short stories. Yeah, I think that I'm writing too long and I have to try and chunk it down more. I think I've I've got the opposite problem because I can see Mm -hmm. that my natural instincts, I would never finish (laughs) because it just gets bigger and bigger. (laughs) Because you can't put everything in every story, can you? Like it's too... It's too much. Right, exactly. Especially if you know your characters really well. It's hard to just stop telling their story. Yeah. Hey, have you met other writers? I know you've talked about forum boards and networking with them that way, but have you ever met up with other writers in real life? I have a friend that I got into writing. Um, Aside from Michael, I have a friend and his wife. But aside from that, I'm actually a very shy person. I probably will uh, will never meet another author, probably. (laughs) How important is it for you to have someone around you like Michael to brainstorm with? Do you reckon you'd be able to do it if you didn't have him or would you find someone else or is that not important to you? You know, a lot of my brainstorming I do by myself, but um, I help Michael. He helps me when I am having problems with figuring out how to add a good conflict to a story or, you know, what my characters would do next. And I help him as well when he's writing his stories. So I think it's it's helpful when you do need it. It's just you probably won't need it too often. Yeah, there was a funny bit in your book where you said, oh, I was running out of ideas and I said, help Michael. And he said, just do lactation. <laughs> <laughs> I found that hilarious. I actually had to look that one up too. <laughs> I mean, how, how, how big are those subgenres? I mean, are you finding that, you know, there's so many people that want more stories and hardly anyone's writing them because it's like so, so niche. And are you sort of catering to those sub-genres, or are they actually quite big? Some of them, like lactation, are really big. Then there's, like, transgendered-type stories, which are a little bit smaller, and, you know, you go on from there. But they all have their audience, even though the audience might be a little bit small. So if you go for a smaller audience, you just have to write more. If you go for a larger audience, you can afford to write a little bit less. Do you think that the readers are quite loyal to different authors and brands, or are readers kind of just reading anything? You know, I think when you're still a small self-published author, there's no real brand loyalty there. It's not until you get really big, like Amanda Hawking or someone like that, that you actually get that kind of brand loyalty. Mm-hmm. So it would it would take a long time to get there. Do you dream about, you know, having a really tour de force type of story that you put your all into and actually getting a publishing deal from it? Or is that not even registering on your dream radar? That's not something I even want to try doing. Like, I think about it every once in a while, but 
the contracts are not worth it. And I just, I've, mm-hmm. I follow a lot of author websites and I've heard so many horror stories about bad agents and bad editors that I just want to avoid it as much, as much as possible. Yeah. I've had a publishing deal with Sony, not for books, but for actually for music writing for, I don't know, 10 or 20 years. And I know that in the music industry, it's a bit of a holy grail. Like, how did you get a publishing deal? And um, my answer is, look, if somebody sees you making money, they'll find you and say, hey, how about giving me a cut of that little lady (laughs) or whatever. And um, so, yeah, if you're making money, they'll find you and want to sign you. Yep. I've actually, I know a few authors through my uh, forums that have gotten publishing deals for real books, either through ghostwriting or for their own pen names, and they're actually enjoying it. Yeah. Look, I think that um, I've got a friend who's got a book deal. He writes nonfiction, and um, I think he told me he's, he makes about $6 for every book sold, and books sell for $32.50, so I don't know. That's not a very high percentage, but um, he does get on television. He, you know, The book company gives him a publicist, and he goes on breakfast television, and and the net result is that he seems like he's famous. He's got a profile. And so I think that signing a book deal can have all that stuff attached to it. But not every author is going to make good breakfast television guest material. And I think that's also what they're looking for, But isn't it? Right. And that can be either a plus or a minus for a lot of people. And, you know, for me, it's a minus. I, I am not really a fame-hungry kind of person. But if that's something you care about, then you should try and go for uh, traditional publishing. But I think if you work as hard as you would with a traditional publisher, you'll still eventually get those kinds of interviews and that kind of attention. It just might take a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. So let's just mention the the elephant in the room, E.L. James and Fifty Shades of Grey. Do you actually know what year that came out? Because I think it was about 2012, wasn't it? Or was it before that? I think it was about 2012 on that quite sure did that um you know was that like a shot in the arm for the erotica industry and suddenly it was okay to read it and people wanted to know what to read after uh yes absolutely i think that it happened at around the same time that self-publishing was getting really big Mm -hmm. so it was kind of it was kind of both things both things getting really popular because women had a kindle so they didn't have to show off the covers of the erotica they were reading so Mm -hmm. there was more privacy there and then there, there was this huge story that everyone was talking about so it got really popular really fast mm-hmm. in terms of cover art you know you've got some uh, photos that are more racy I mean you know within the bounds of what Amazon will accept obviously and some that are a little bit tamer do you notice any difference in sales you know when you put a racy cover out versus a less racy cover it depends on what you're writing if you're writing a sort of slower billionaire type romance that just has sex in it then you want something a little bit more classy or a little something a little abstract like what you see on Fifty Shades of Grey. But if you're just, you know, writing a gangbang, then you might as well put as much flesh on there as you can. Yeah, yeah. And so um, do, you, do you find that your billionaire genre is the most popular? I think if you look at all of my books together, yeah, that would be the most popular genre. And do you do that strategically or is that naturally what you like writing about? That's actually naturally what I like writing about because you can include the sort of BDSM element, which is what I enjoy writing the most. Yeah. So, I mean, the obvious question is, and you don't have to answer this, but this is what all erotic fiction authors get asked because I've been reading quite a few interviews with them. 
you know, do you write about, you know, stuff that you've actually done in real life? Or is that not necessary? It's not necessary. Some of my books, yeah. Others, not so much. You know, I haven't had sex with a werewolf. Yeah. But but um, some of them that are a little bit more based in reality, I would say, yeah, it's a little bit based in my life. Mm-hmm. Do you have any books that are kind of a bit tame and that's a different market to the ones that want it a little bit more edgy and spicy? Yeah, the tame ones don't sell really well, but I do have a few of them. I wanted to talk about, you know, do you live off your your writing? I mean, that's your full-time thing. You don't have to work. Is that enough to live on for you? Yep, that's what Michael and I are both living on right now. It's actually really amazing. I mean, he makes some money doing covers and branding for other authors, but aside from that, this is what we do. That's amazing. And are your figures that you stated before, are they from both of your works together or just yours? Uh, it's mostly mine. He does make a little bit more as well. Right. And he has his own separate author page and everything. It's kind of separate to yours. Yep. Every pen name has its own author page. Um, he has written a few books under my pen name before he started the Michael pen name. Mm-hmm. But uh, he has his own page now and he's working really hard to write a novel right now, actually. Wow. So with the different pen names, is it sort of accepted by the market that the pen name isn't really the author's name? And do people try and find out who you are in real life, or do they not really care? I've been really lucky that I have not had anyone try to find out who I really am. But uh, I think most people assume at this point that it's a pen name, especially for our genre. Yeah. Look, I feel like I'm talking to who you really are, the author. It doesn't really matter to me what your name is in a way. Yeah, I mean, especially now with the internet and with people so used to usernames, the real name doesn't really matter. Everyone understands that you're still talking to a real person. Mm-hmm. And so um, you've got this amazing business model that all the smart authors are doing, which is you're putting links in your foreword and at the end of the book, join my mailing list and get a free book. What percentage of people that read your books actually come along to your website and actually do that, do you think? It's probably a really small percentage. I only have about 300 people on my mailing list, which isn't a bad mailing list at all. But, um, you know, it attracts the people that would be interested in looking at my website. But really all that matters is that in the Kindle, Mm -hmm. I, I think they do recommend more books by the author once you finish that book. I see. So really, so that matters more than the front and back matter, though it is recommended to still include links in your front and back matter. Yeah. So you were saying that when people get on your mailing list, you sometimes give away your new books for free before they've been put out. Is that something that you you said in your book? I do sometimes send free copies of books, um, and I actually have been focusing a lot on sending teasers for new books that I'm putting out but it just depends on what the book is and I know that my readers tend to go towards more um, billionaire type stories so I will more often give them billionaire free stories than anything else. There are a couple of different ways to do it. You can upload it to your public box on Dropbox and then just link to it. You can upload it to your website and just link to it. Um, There are a few file hosting websites Right. And what would be the strategy behind giving away a book for free to your list that you're about to put out? Why would you give it away for free rather than telling them they can buy it? Because once once they're subscribed to your mailing list, they're actually obviously big fans. 
those are the fans that are going to give you the best reviews and that are going to talk to other readers about your books. So it's good to encourage them with free stuff every once in a while. It's sort of like making making a street team without so much work behind it. Yeah. So, um, you know, the idea is you give this book away for free to your mailing list and then ask them if they liked it to give a review and then that helps the real sales. Is that sort of how it works? Yep, absolutely. And um, would you consider um, having actually an e-commerce store that people pay you by PayPal or whatever and then you deliver the book and actually sell it? Like let's say people have found you originally from Amazon but then after that they've found your website. They could potentially buy other books directly from you and then you could actually make more royalties and even discount it cutting out the middleman of Amazon. Do you consider doing that or is there a reason that you don't do that like Amazon doesn't let you or or what's your thoughts on that? You know, my my website does allow that, but it's not something I have time to deal with right now. I don't have time to to deal with making sure that it always goes to them correctly or with uh, dealing with payment chargebacks or anything like that. I would just like to upload my stories and essentially be done with it yeah. aside from like advertising. It's it's just a lot of work to keep track of. Yeah. Look, um, you know that Amazon you mentioned that Amazon is like the big the big market. How important is Smashwords and how important is physical copies of books? Well for Smashwords every three months or so I make an additional twelve hundred to fifteen hundred dollars from the websites they upload to. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a fairly large chunk every quarter. Um that includes iBooks, doesn't it? It does. It includes the iTunes store if they accept your books. So they have kind of strict policies on covers and content, but most of the time you'll probably be accepted. Mm-hmm. Do you temper your book covers in order to make sure that you could get accepted to iTunes or do you not really worry too much about that? I don't worry about it. I put out so much that it's not really a big deal if if they don't accept one book or two. Mm. And I notice you do have some physical books. Are they actually, you know, created on demand or are they, is their stock sitting somewhere? They're created on demand with CreateSpace, which is Amazon's um, physical book company, mm-hmm. sort of like the, the Kindle press thing. Um, yep. And they bring in not a lot of money, but what they do is they make the ebooks look more enticing because they're cheaper. So I do recommend that you get physical books as often as possible. As an option? Yes. Yeah. And um, they, when you do a physical book, you, you need your own ISBN number, don't you? No. Actually, most of the websites that you upload to, whether it's CreateSpace or Smashwords, will either supply you with a free ISBN or with their own in-house ISBN. So you don't have to worry about buying one at all. I see. So um, there's a bit of a rot that, you know, you have to go and buy a thousand of them or something. So that's not even necessary? Nope, not at all. Oh, that's awesome. Have you noticed any changes in the market, like say in the last six months or a year? Is it getting more flooded or is it just same old, same old, keep, keep on keeping on? You know, porn in general has been around since anything has been around yeah. and it's still not a flooded market. So I think just keep writing and you'll sell as well as you did last yeah. month. Do you notice any spike in sales when the books just come out or is it something that spikes after as it builds? What's the kind of life cycle of a book sales chart like? The first 
week or so is when you'll probably see the best sales unless you get a sudden advertising burst with a really popular blog or something. Mm-hmm. And then um, after the first week, the sales will slowly slowly die out, though they will eventually hit uh, their normal amount of sales. What's the normal amount of sales for, for a book, say, that it's been out for a year? Um, I mean, it depends on the genre. I would say one to ten copies a day would be a fair number to expect depending on what you're writing and how popular it was to begin with. Really how popular it was in the first week is what will determine how popular it is for the rest of its lifespan. Wow, that's amazing to know that. And do you think that's because of Amazon's algorithm and they then serve that search result up sort of like a mini Google? Or do you think it's just because people liked the cover, the blurb, the description, and the sample? It's probably both. The algorithm has a lot to do with sales in general, mm-hmm. um, but even that is determined by your keywords and your title. So if you have really good keywords and a really good title, you're more likely to be found by that algorithm. So it's a mix of yeah. both, really. So um, are you in the genre of erotica or romance, or is it both? Mostly erotica, though I do write romance as well. Okay, well, I just could talk to you all day because it's just so interesting, but I'm <laughs> respectful of your time. <laughs> and so um, just to sum up, I, I wanted to ask you, what's the one thing that you would have done differently if you knew then what you know now? The one thing that I would have done differently, and I thought about this for a long time, is I would have started my branding immediately. I would have decided on how I want my covers to look, in my website and my mailing list from day one because it has determined everything so far. It is taking so long to upload old stories again to have them have good covers that, you know, aren't embarrassing like my old ones were. Right. So if you did want to, after the fact, change the cover, you can do it. But are you saying you get stuck in a sort of a loophole of waiting for Amazon to update it? You can either change it, which does take longer, or you can just upload it again as a second edition, which is what I'm doing. I see. And is that quick? Yep. It's it's faster to upload again than it is to change it. The change takes three days or so to go through fully, but a new upload takes maybe a day unless their website is acting up. Do the people that bought the first edition get the second edition or is it a completely standalone product? It's a completely standalone product, but you could do both basically so that when they re-download the book again, they can get the new edition. I see. So what's the biggest tip that you could offer someone who wants to start out, apart from buying your how-to book, which is loaded with tips, and buying your titles to get an idea of the quality level needed in the market. What's your big tip or tips you could offer someone starting out that wants to do what you've amazingly achieved? I would say the biggest tip is to do a lot of keyword research. Your keywords will decide everything. You could write in any genre, but if you have bad keywords, there's a keyword field Mm -hmm. that is hidden from viewers but will decide whether or not it shows up in searches. And um, if you don't have really good keywords that have been well-researched, you're not going to be found by anyone. Do you do your keyword research using Amazon or using the Google keyword tool? I use Amazon. This is probably something a lot of authors don't want me to share, but I'm going to share it anyway. You can um, use the search bar on Amazon and look at the drop-downs that come down 
as you search as you search for things, and that will show you keywords that you can use. So that's what I use mostly. Though the Google um, keyword suggestions are also good for deciding um, where to go from there, basically. Yeah, and um, you know, like a genre like dubcon. Is that a commonly known term for people that read that genre? You know, I think it's more of a an internet term, so younger people might know it better than older people, but I think it's starting to get more popular and more well-known. Yeah, just on that note, finally, do you, do you know if your readers are younger or older? Do they give you any feedback? I don't think there's been any really big studies on it aside from old Harlequin-type studies that show that it's mostly older women. And I think I would agree with that. A lot of my readers that have contacted me have been middle-aged, but even they want to read about the more hardcore stuff. It's been absolutely fascinating talking with you, and thank you so much for your time today, Dahlia. It's just been fantastic. I've got to listen back and digest all this wonderful information that you've shared. Thank you so much. And I just want to give another plug for your book. Actually, you can tell people where they can buy it and the name of the book. Um, My book is How to Really Self-Publish Erotica, um, The Truth About Kinks, Covers, Advertising, and More. And you can find it on my website, daliadadalyn.com, or on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, the iTunes Store, pretty much anywhere you can buy eBooks. Thanks so much for coming today, Dahlia. It was brilliant talking to you. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Business Marketing Agency podcast with Barbara Griffin. For any questions, feedback, or just to keep in touch, email me, info at thebusinessmarketingagency.com.